Hey guys, it's me again, your host, Jason Coral, and uh, we're getting right into it. What What is the biggest mistake in, in Christian living, I think? Um, I, I make these podcasts and blogs to go over it. I think it's not knowing and understanding and therefore applying the principles of Scripture. And the Scripture is clear. It gives us everything we need to live as fully equipped saints and new creations in Jesus Christ. Uh, so we need to unpack that because it's oftentimes be, because of where we were in our lives, the way we were living and the futility of our minds and, and in the flesh, uh, you know, we're not quite aware of what the Bible means when it says certain things. So let's take a look at Romans verses 5 through 9 of chapter 8, okay? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Again, that was God's holy, inerrant, and life-giving word. Romans 8, verses 5 through 9. Um, all right. It's an important question because... What are we now? And what are we doing? And how do we avoid making big mistakes? A really big question. And so we've got to understand we no longer exist as we once did. This is absolutely clear from the weight of Scripture, and yet it's a fact we don't think enough about. We need to. And here's a quick sample of, of some of the weight of Scripture on this. This is um, Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. It's gone. Done away with that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Ephesians 4, verse 24, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Notice that, that put on righteousness and holiness is, is the key. Not better, down a better car, living in a bigger house. Those things may come and those are fine things, but that's not the goal of Christian living. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. What a, what a, what a glorious thing. Uh, Colossians 3, 10, And put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. All right, so Ephesians 2, verses 15, 16, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And the enmity, that's what sin, and sin is hatred of God. Sin is desire to be your own God, not have to be accountable to him. That's gone. Of course, John 3, 6, the Lord says that that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of a spirit is spirit. And... Colossians 3, 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. All right? Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live is in the flesh. I live by faith. Now, I love this line. And life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Not just a vague faith. The world like so. I'm a man of faith. But they never say what the faith is in. We have faith in Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself up for me. Okay, this is our rational response to him. So, I mean, I, we can go on like this for a while. Um, this is so much of it. because That's the pattern of Scripture is to show us and then tell us what it meant. 
right? Exodus, look at the Gospels. It shows us what happened, and then it, it stretches out, and it goes, okay, this is what this means. James says that we're kind of a first fruits among his creatures. That's uh, verse 18, chapter 1, I believe. And that's declaring a fact based in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord. Okay, that's that. It's a, it's, it's, this is a fact based in his life, death, and resurrection. The gospel isn't only the facts of the life of Jesus, but everything that it means. The new life of the Spirit into which we've been delivered is a life that seeks God with our whole heart. Okay? To better grasp this reality, amazing as it is, we must consider what it is that we were. The principles of the old nature will help us understand the new principles of the Spirit. Okay, so here's something. This is a really old quote. Thomas Boston puts this in perspective. All right, so to understand again what we are, it's kind of instructive, and I would say absolutely essential. I would go so far as to say it's essential to really understand what we were. Thomas Boston says it this way: the unrenewed will, this is the pre-regenerate person, is wholly perverse in reference to man's chief and highest end. You know, the Westminster Confession Boston is referring to is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But natural man's chief end is not God, but himself. Okay? Most men are so far from making God their chief end in their natural and civil actions that in these matters, God isn't in their thoughts at all. Their eating, their drinking, such like natural actions are merely for themselves, their own pleasure or necessity, without any higher end to it. He quotes Zechariah 7, verse 6, Do you not eat for yourselves? Okay, and then he quotes First uh, Corinthians ten verse thirty one. They have no eye to the glory of God in these things as they ought to have. They seek God indeed, okay, but not for themselves. Not I'm sorry, not for himself. We seek God, but not for himself. They seek him not at all, but for their own welfare, and their whole life is woven into one web of practical blasphemy. That's why I wanted to share the quote. I really wanted to get to that line. The life of unbelief is a life of practical blasphemy, making God the means and self the end. Yay, their chief end. That was Thomas Boston. And of course, I interrupted a couple of times, but um, they seek him not at all. And when they do, for their own welfare. And so their whole life is woven into one web of practical blasphemy, making God the means and their self the end. That, that is, in a nutshell, unbelief. And, and that, unfortunately, that principle is alive even within the, the Christian heart and the immature Christian heart. So that's what we were looking to eradicate. So it's like, you know, you get into the gym, you start working out, and you got to get rid of all that fat, right? And you can't just let it yourself go. Uh, you develop a life of spiritual fitness, a life of the training and righteousness, putting on the whole armor of God. The goal of the old man, the flesh, is the glorification of self. The principle of sin is the idea that man can live as God. That's Genesis 3.5. As we pointed out time and time again, this is the source of all evil. It's the source of all conflict and violence. Uh, R.J. Rustuni put it this way. Think about all the conflict we have in life. Rustuni said, if man is a god, picking up from Genesis 3.5, then his neighbor who claims to be a god is a threat and a devil to him. A challenge to his own claim. End quote. The false setting of the unredeemed man is glorification of self. The default setting of the redeemed mind is the supremacy of God's will and his glory. Thus, to think about the war between the spirit and the flesh clearly, we look at the foundation and goal of all human predication and action. 
The new creature is the one who identifies as a slave of Christ. The old way of living is duped into believing in the myth of neutrality. It believes that there are certain things that just, you know, God's not interested in. <laughs> but since no man ever created himself, nor any institution, all things get their, like, thusness, kind of make up a word, from God, and then, in sin, pretend otherwise. The old way of living and seeing is full of counterfeits. The old way is the autonomous path. The new way is the baptism into Christ Jesus. The old way looks at an issue in life and says, hmm, what does the state say? Or what do I think? Or what's the law? The new way sees the same thing, but thinks, what does the Lord say about this? What does he say about the state? What does he say about the law? Hmm? The old man sees areas where Christ isn't Lord. The redeemed man, a debtor to Christ alone, cherishes his will more than anything on earth. The mark of sin is irrationality because sin is ultimately stupid. The mark of sin is tyranny, not freedom. The mark of sin is self-indulgence. The mark of sin is pride. Those are the fruits. But the mark of the Spirit is truth, love of truth, freedom. Why would political freedom be important? Well, because we know we're sinners and we are not in charge of making the categories of life. God is. Righteousness, fruits of the Spirit, the desire to be righteous according to the standards of the Lord. We have righteousness through faith, so we will more and more learn to abhor sin and more and more humbly submit to the Lord of peace. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we are now, <laughs> okay? We're living in the new life of the Spirit. We are not, we are not the old man. That's the key. The key is that it, uh, when you look at the world, you avoid the myth of neutrality. You avoid the idea that Jesus Christ isn't Lord. And more and more, we grow in his likeness. Because what was he when, think about this, Jesus Christ was the living word. So he was animated by and led by, in every way, shape, and form, he was led by the ability to, and a desire to please God. So that's what we should be doing. And that's how we should look at this and how we should look at our lives. So I know it's a short, a short podcast. Just wanted to get this out because it's just such an important thing. And I don't want to belabor it because it might diminish the impact of this very simple point. What does the scripture say? Romans 4, 3. That should be the thing. If you're, if you look at our mind as a, as a, as a house and somebody comes knocking on the door and says, well, what do you think? The question is, who answers the door? You or Christ? Well, that's what we should be thinking. So there we go. Hope this was helpful and I will catch you guys next time. Do do please do yourself a favor and, and check out the blog. That's whatsoeveristrue.com. And I hope this was a blessing to you and edifying and I'll catch you next time.